0: Back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Right, welcome back. 800-321-0710, The number to get involved in the show. We will have Mets tickets for you to win a little bit later on this hour to their opening weekend series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and Tom Rock covers the Giants for Newsday. He'll be with us at eight thirty five as. Uh... As the Giants turn right, as Odell Beckham turns uh, as well, as it's been uh, a day and a weekend uh, full of rumors left and right as far as that goes. And the Mets, not to be lost uh, in all the Odell Beckham Jr. uh, nonsense with the Giants, of course. uh, The Mets getting ready to start up opening day in a few days, and today uh, Matt Harvey, actually the guy, you know, setting the. A bar for the Mets—not the highest bar in the world—but I think maybe providing a window into what the mentality for this Mets team is going to be this season.
1: The sky's the limit. I think the biggest thing is staying healthy, and, and you know we all we all are right now, and, and at least for the most part, and, and we're um, we're going to be we're going to be really good. So I think we're going to shock a lot of people, and, and
0: it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, listen, uh, for a baseball team to say, hey, we stay healthy. Things are going to go great. That's not, uh, you know, necessarily breaking news every four seconds. But, uh, the fact that he frames it as, you know, shocking some people uh, that gives you a window into they know how they set up against the Nationals. They know. That they're the underdog in the NL East going in, uh, and and you know probably more than that. I, I can't see a scenario uh, where you know the Mets are beating out the Nationals for the division. A lot would have to go terribly wrong for the Nationals for the Mets to be able to to make that happen. But the fact that it is Harvey that is the one to say it is interesting to me. We've heard those kinds of things from Noah Syndergaard over the years. He's someone that is willing. To you know, raise a, a high bar for the team, uh, to set expectations, to set goals, to say it publicly. We haven't heard a whole lot of things like that from Matt Harvey over the years. Even when you know he was the Dark Knight and was the ace of this Mets staff, and was you know getting those opening day opportunities as he did a few years back, you didn't hear a whole lot of that. And uh, he finished spring training strong. I think he's happy with where he is right now. Uh we'll see how, you know, he fares once the actual season begins. Uh but the fact that it is Harvey that's the one that's speaking up as far as how good the team can be that they could shock some people and and the sky is the limit. Uh, that is noteworthy to me because, you know, Harvey at times last year looked like he barely wanted to be out there on the mound. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a guy that we just heard that's eager to get this thing started and to see, you know, what this team is capable of. And at least things are starting out on a far more positive note than they did last year when there were injuries throughout spring training and the Mets were without Steven Matz and Seth Lugo at the outset of the season. And already, uh, the pitching staff was thin and that's well before, you know, Noah Cindergaard, Terrace's lat and all of that starting depth that the Mets thought they had was gone uh, was by the wayside, and of course you know Harvey had a miserable twenty seventeen as well this spring uh, has played out a lot better and, and Mickey calloway uh, running a more relaxed camp uh, a camp that you know, it doesn't feature as much work. They weren't on the field as often as they've been in the past. Uh it's more efficient, you know, would be the big word that you know we've heard Mickey Callaway and others use this spring training. Uh but it the results seem to have worked as much as you can control injuries, and sometimes you can. You know, sometimes Jason Vargas gets hit by a comebacker in the hand, and it's just nothing you could do about that. But otherwise, yeah, you've had a couple of issues with Joanna you know, Cespedes. Uh, they allowed him to play when he had a you know a bad wrist and needed a cortisone injection. But besides that, the Mets you know haven't had you know hamstring injuries and you know muscle injuries left and right. Dom Smith being the exception very early on in spring. But uh, the Mets pitching has stayed healthy. Those guys seem ready to start up the year. Uh, you know Steven Matz was a question mark at the start of spring training and you know had an awful couple of starts to begin things but he's pitched a, a lot better of late and you know Mats was asked recently how uh, he went about turning things around from those first two outings. A few uh minor tweaks
1: uh working with Dave on my mechanics and just you know my pitches and then just getting back out there and
0: getting a feel for everything again is the main thing. You know I know the the phrase is, it's just spring training, but that's really the way it is. You just got to get out there and get reps and get comfortable. And now, you know, at this
1: point, we got to kind of step on the gas and go. So I feel like that's where I'm at.
0: And he's asked, uh, that last game, did it help him mentally? Yeah, I think yeah. so. You know, it was, they it was, they brought their best lineup out there, and I you know, was able to navigate it a couple times through, three times through the lineup. So that's that's important in spring, I say, going into the season. The big thing for Mats is always, always the health, and he'll tell you that. He'll be the first one to, to talk about it. Even when he was struggling those first two times out, he was saying, hey, I feel great. Everything feels good, and he wanted the results to be there. He wasn't just working on stuff, it wasn't getting outs, but uh, he was able to make some adjustments, and uh, when we talked to him a few weeks ago, it sounded like he was working on uh, pitching better from the stretch, and that had been an issue for him, pitching with men on base. uh, Something that he wasn't particularly great at last year, where you look at the numbers without men on base versus when there were men on base, he was far worse with men on base uh, and pitching out of the stretch. So, you know, Matt's still has a lot of ability, a lot of talent there. You don't know, you know, they could give you much more than 150 innings, and maybe even that is asking a lot out of him considering his history, but... Uh, there is there is talent there. You know, Harvey, kind of the same thing. Physical issues, but there's still a lot of talent there. Not the upside that there was a couple of years ago, but those guys, they just have to be middle of the rotation pitchers. They just have to back up Cindergard and DeGrom, and what those two have shown in spring training has been unbelievable. Cindergard and DeGrom, they're as good a one-two combination you're going to find at the top of any rotation in all of baseball. If they could continue throwing the way they have this spring, they have been unreal. Now, you know, again, you got to keep them out there. Uh, but that's something that the Mets have done a far better job of this spring than in recent years when, you know, it was Zach Wheeler going down with Tommy John surgery a few years back. It's three years ago now. And last year, Matt's and Lugo having issues. And it just, it always seems there's been something hanging over this team, even, you know, as the season begins. And right now, you don't quite have that. Yeah, you have questions about how first base is going to play out for this team, as far as you know, who's going to emerge as the everyday catcher? Will they get enough out of Travis Darno and Kevin Plawecki? Will Jairus Familia uh, bounce back and be the guy he was a couple of years ago? The Mets aren't without questions. They uh, don't have you know one glaring hole, but they have some weaknesses you could certainly point to and have some concern with right now. But these were issues that were there at the outset of spring training. And I think they've answered more questions than uh, they've had open up. You know, Michael Conforto is going to come back sooner than. Than was expected. Brandon Nimmo had a huge spring, where you feel pretty good about him getting some extra at bats and emerging as a leadoff man in the meantime until Michael Conforto could come back. The pitching, for the most part, has stayed healthy. These are, you know, the big things that you needed to check off if you were the Mets over the course of spring training. And you know, as of now with the new manager Mickey Callaway, no, you know, big crisis, no big issues, and you know, the Mets can you know try to start out this season right and. Uh, it's going to be big for them, you know, for their own minds, but uh, certainly for the fans as well, because I think everybody, any Mets fan who's followed this team over the last few years, you got to have a little cynicism, you know, with how banged up they were last year. And you saw how easily things can go terribly. And I'm sure, you know, the Mets players know how easily, you know, they could end up in a spot where they were last year. They lived it. You know, a lot of these guys were here uh, last season. So it's important that they get off to a decent start and, you know, know that this is a different season, a different campaign. Uh, you have a different manager in place there and, you know, not, you know, start seven and 15 and it's oh, here we go again. That that's what they have to be able to avoid, and you know they'll have the opportunity to test themselves against the Cardinals, against the Nationals, the first couple of weeks of the year, and two teams that you know the Mets will be measuring themselves against the Cardinals for a wild card, and you know the Nationals always that team within the division, uh, but it's um, it's important for them to get off to a you know a good start. More than it is you know the Nationals start a season fifteen and twenty. Hey, you're going to write about it, you're going to notice it, but. You'd probably still feel pretty good about their talent level to bounce back. The Mets, if they have you know that kind of slow start, it's going to start to feel like last year, and you know the issues will become very uh, apparent uh, for the Mets. So you know they they got to get things going right away, and you know that'll be uh, the big test for. Uh, a new manager in Mickey Calloway to to make that happen and get that belief structure in place. But uh, you hear some of that belief, certainly, from Matt Harvey uh, saying the sky's the limit. For this Mets team, uh, again, Mets tickets to give away before uh, we wrap the show at nine o'clock. Tom Rock covers the Giants for Newsday. He'll Be with us at eight thirty. We'll get his take on what's been happening with Odell Beckham Jr., where it's just one rumor after another over the last few days. Uh, so a lot to do as we uh, continue here. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, 800-321-0710, the number, uh, we've got Mets tickets to give away, which we will do before 9 o'clock. Tom Rock of Newsday uh, will be with us to talk some Giants coming up at 8.30, and uh, it has been drama, drama, drama uh, for the Giants, very uncharacteristic of the franchise over the years, but uh, that is what... You know, Odell Beckham ha- has brought to some degree in what the organization as a whole uh, provided last year when everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Giants and uh, situations that Ben McAdoo didn't handle well, including benching Eli Manning for, say, Geno Smith. And, you know, that ran all the way up to ownership in, in terms of uh, the issues that uh, became apparent in-, in the organization with how. That was handled and now you know it is that discussion once again do you trade a player like Odell Beckham Jr. or uh, do you take the talent and run with it as far as it will take you and you know different teams have different mindsets about that but it's the very basic question one of the basic questions of sports right would you rather have the talented player that gives you some reason to worry maybe isn't the team first kind of guy, uh, but you know, could be a better player than anybody else. Is that kind of potential? Or do you want a bunch of guys that just all are team oriented, and you know, maybe they're not as talented overall, but work well together, have that elusive chemistry uh, that teams are, are always striving for, and and hope that that's going to be the path to go. And uh, if you look around. You know, let's say the NFL and try to find examples of, you know, players that have been more me first or have been, you know, individual stars and have done that at a position other than quarterback where you do kind of have to reach out and grab the attention a little bit more. A wide receiver isn't going to be an in your face star just because he's good. Uh, Julio Jones could probably walk right by you on the street and you wouldn't recognize who he is. That's as good a wide receiver as there is in the NFL right now. But you don't hear a whole lot from Julio Jones typically. Uh, you would recognize Odell Beckham Jr. You would probably recognize Antonio Brown. You certainly would have known, you know, Terrell Owens and Chad Cinco back in the day uh, if they walked by you because you know at those positions, if it's a non. Quarterback position, you have to draw the attention in order to uh, become a star, and and Beckham knows how to draw attention and to bring that in. But you know, and it doesn't mean you can't win uh, if you have some players like that on your team. Uh, Terrell Owens had a terrific Super Bowl game coming off a broken leg for the Eagles against the New England Patriots. If they win that game, does that mean that oh now the diva receiver can win? Uh, we saw Randy Moss when he went to New England change some of his personality and how he went about things. And the Patriots nearly had the greatest season of all time uh, until they were knocked off by the Giants in the Super Bowl. But if those guys win, then is it, oh, okay, you can win with the you know wide receiver who's the face of your franchise, becomes the star of your team, and and you don't have some of the other conversation? And the only team in the NFL... That wins with culture and maybe not a whole lot more besides their quarterback is the Patriots. It's the only team that's been able to build, you know, that chemistry slash culture slash it doesn't matter who's out there uh, because Bill Belichick's going to coach the team, Tom Brady's going to be the quarterback, and you could figure it out otherwise. You know, Rob Gronkowski might go out dancing or go out partying and, you know, bring some attention to himself, but at the end of the day, when he's on the field, he's going about his business, and he's blocking, and, uh, you know, he's not being a selfish teammate, and, and those are things that, you know, he that ultimately allow him to fit in in New England, even as he's a much different personality than uh, your typical Patriots player. But this is like the question at the core of the Odell Beckham trade discussions. If you're saying the Giants need to trade Odell Beckham Jr., you're saying it's all about culture. you, know, you got to have 53 guys who all buy in and you know teams need to do it more like the Patriots have over the years even though they've brought in some headaches uh, over the years, and some guys have fed in, some guys have not. Remember, you know, Chad Johnson was one of those guys that was there in New England for a short period of time. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I just don't see how it's realistic to expect to build, you know, what the Patriots have managed. They are absolutely the exception to the rule in not just professional football, but professional sports. I mean, what's the other team in sports, in basketball, hockey, football, baseball? That is trying to build that do your job, uh, you know, we're all in it for one kind of mentality. You see it in college. It's much easier to build in college when, yeah, it's easier to manipulate teenagers and and early 20 somethings, and they don't have as much power uh, to fight back against the coach as a a professional player who's making more money uh, than the coaches and managers in a lot of situations can. Uh, But uh, otherwise, you know, trying for that. Patriots ideal, or again, I can't even think of another team to really throw down on that. I, I think you're kidding yourself, and you know Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, there's some headache that goes along with him, but he hasn't broken laws. He doesn't seem to be you know a, a bad guy where you just don't want him on your team at all. And the question is basically, can you win with Odell Beckham Jr.? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. And he was as big a reason as any that they made the playoffs a couple of years ago. And yeah, he didn't play great in that playoff game. And you could point to the boat trip if you want. Uh, but, you know, he would say as big a reason as any that they got there, that they, you know, were able to beat the Ravens in a game where they weren't moving the football at all until you know, just a simple slant. And Beckham has the ability to take it all the way to the house uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. That That's the kind of play that, that he can make. And, you know, you start thinking about, well, all right, let's trade Odell Beckham Jr. What can we get for him? How are you getting a player like him? You know, if you're getting a top five, six pick in this year's draft, you could turn it into something special. That'll be something that if you're the Giants and you're just absolutely fed up with him, you could see that being equal value. But I don't see a team turning around and giving up, let's say, the Browns really want to make a splash, get their fan base excited, Turn around, and give up the number four pick in the draft when you still gotta sign this guy. You still gotta, you know, pay him the big bucks, make him one of the highest-paid wide receivers in the league. And if you trade for him, you have to make that happen. Then you know he has all the the leverage there, and it's not even so much a uh, you know a, a headache. Thing or you know Odell Beckham? Can you win with him? Issue. It's you know how much do you have to pay this guy in a salary cap league, and how much you're willing to pay you know at that wide receiver position. You're going to pay him what he might cost as a free agent, and you're going to give up the number four pick as well. You know that's that's where you're kidding yourself on this. But that's the only way that the Giants get anything back relative to the value that Beckham provides, which is why I think the Giants are going to play it tough with Beckham. I think that. They're starting to set some boundaries now with him as best they can. John Mara has been involved and you know talked about how he's disappointed in what Beckham has done at times over the years and this offseason. But that's, that's the angle that I think the Giants are playing here. They're not looking to trade him. It doesn't make sense to trade him right now. Get what you can out of him. Maybe you don't lock him up to that long-term deal until he shows that he can uh, behave and, and not be a headache for a long period of time. But to deal him right now, I, I just I don't see it as making a whole lot of sense. And we'll have Tom Rock covers the Giants for Newsday on with us when we come back. Uh, it's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R today. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Another day where Odell Beckham is dominating the conversation in this town, and we bring on right now Tom Rock covers the Giants for Newsday. And, uh, Tom, we thank you for coming on uh, in a busy week. Uh, how you doing? Everything good? Good, Pete. Yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the cold water guy on all this Odell stuff. So,
1: uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to talk about him being traded, I'm, I'm not your guy. But uh, but there, there, was, there was certainly plenty of chatter about it and, and talk of, of him going uh, to a lot of different teams today. Well,
0: what are you hearing uh, today as far as what what reality might be as far as the Giants potentially listening to trade offers?
1: Yeah, I mean they're, they're listening. They're they're not ignoring them. And, and if anybody wants to reach out to them and offer them a king's ransom for Odell, I'm sure they would take it. Uh, but right now they're not shopping him. They they, they would prefer not to trade him. Uh, they their their ideal situation to resolve this whole thing is for him to be a long term Giant. Uh, for him to grow up and make better decisions and do that as a Giants receiver. Uh, and, and they're working towards that right now. They've, they've opened negotiations with Odell Beckham's camp. Uh, 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 Steve Tisch said that this morning. Uh, you know, have there been teams that have kind of come up to them and been like, uh, what, you know, what's going on with Odell? Probably. But uh, I, don't, I don't think the Giants have, have uh, gotten to the point where they've even talked about compensation, never mind uh, uh, you know, actually, actually going through with it. So, uh, you know, these, these things. There's, there's thousands of these conversations that go on every day in the NFL uh, uh, between uh, between different organizations, and uh, you know, most of them result in nothing. And my my sense that right now is that the Giants are pretty confident that this one will result in nothing as well.
0: And so, what do the Giants want to see from Odell Beckham Jr. before? You know They are willing to commit to him on a long-term contract. And, and how much time does he have left to make those changes, whatever they might be?
1: Right, right. It's kind of an interesting scenario, right? Because uh, Dave Gettleman at the Combine said that Odell has a clean slate, right? All, all of his, his decisions in the past, all of his antics in the past, they're gone. He has a clean slate. And already a month later, that slate is, is already marked up, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have the video, you have this, this $15 million lawsuit, uh, you know, just just a lot of a lot of noise and a lot of, of, of antics that the Giants have to deal with. So, uh, my my sense is that they, they just just him to be a better decision maker. They 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 they're not concerned that he's a bad guy. They're not concerned the concerned that he's going to be breaking the law or he's, or, he's, or he's doing things that are illicit or immoral. They just want him to be a better decision maker and maybe be more aware that his what what he does draws attention. And sometimes that's negative attention uh, to himself and to the organization.
0: Is it basically just you know he's got to be around some, some better people and, and maybe he is around people that are yeah, looking out for themselves a little more than uh, he could use.
1: I think so. I think you know listen he's 25 years old. He's the, he's the best. He's one of the best players in the NFL. He, you know he's, he's he's entitled to live his life during yeah. the offseason. season. Uh, you know nobody's nobody's begrudging him that. But you know he's he's got to be careful who he mixes himself up with. I think is, is, is the bottom line. And, and, uh, you know, I, th- I think from the sense that I got from the Giants, that, that they're optimistic that that will happen.
0: Now we're talking again with Tom Rock of Newsday. What have you heard over the years, uh, you know, covering this team uh, from teammates about Odell Beckham and how he is to play with well, within the building.
1: They love him. They, they love him. He is, he is one of the most popular teammates uh, uh, in terms of uh, how hard he works, uh, the effort he gives and, and, and it, the passion he has i mean those those are some of the things on the field that have brought him criticism in the past is that passion when you look at the, uh, the the run-ins with josh norman uh you know the, the famous uh, uh you know helmet throwing thing with the with the kicking net that, that turned silly things like that they're they're all uh, functions of him just wanting to succeed and i think his teammates like that and, and respect that and appreciate that you know you talk to you start the guys like Damon Harrison or other guys in the Ocklin they they adore Odell Beckham jr he's 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 the guys they want to be more like not le- not less like
0: what do you sense and you know I don't know if you're able to hear from you know friends of Odell or anything like that how uh, you know he handles a day like today or just you know any of these trade rumors right. that maybe even just as a conversation uh, in this town have popped up here and there
1: <laughs> right right well listen Odell, Odell and I are in different social circles so. <laughs> We're not, we're not quite uh, uh, hanging out with, with the same people, but uh, you know, I, I have no idea how the, how yeah. a day like today affects him. Um, my guess is that he, it it sort of adds to his uh, perception that he's uh, that there are a lot of haters and that and that he has this chip on his shoulder, and, and it will drive him forward. Um, just 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 from knowing him the, the little that I do, I think that I think that that'll be the case.
0: So let's say the draft comes and goes, Odell Beckham Jr. is still a member of the New York Giants. At what point right. do they really have to sit down, hammer this out, and decide you know what the long-term contract is going to be? And then I guess the decision would be Odell's as to whether or not he's going to go out, practice, and, and play in the preseason and beyond.
1: Right. I mean, we said last year, uh, uh, the writers you know, kind of amongst ourselves, that, that we would be shocked. If uh, Odell showed up for this camp on, under his current contract, you know he's, he's due to make a little over eight million dollars a year. That's, a, that's about half of what the top flight, uh, the, the top paid wide receivers in the league are, are making right now. So, uh, you know, it, it would be silly for him to come out here and risk another injury. You know, if he if he hurts that ankle again, he, his his career may be done. So, uh, for him to for him to do that would be would be ludicrous. Uh, so, so our expectations all along have been that he's not going to show, up, not going to play. Until he gets a, a new contract, uh, and that that remains my my expectation. I, I you know my my feeling is that if we if we get to mid August and we're still not done, then, it, then it's time to really start to uh, not panic, but but just to kind of kind of really wonder what's what's going on here and, and what Odell's future is with the Giants. Until then, I think I think he wants to be here for the long term, and I think the Giants want him to be here for the long term, and that that's always the makings of a of a long term contract. Yeah, uh, is it, it, it two sides. The two sides have a desire to be together. Uh, if, if you don't have that, then then you don't have anything.
0: Well, let's say the like, Giants, you know, are worried about guaranteeing him tens and tens of millions of dollars in, in and yeah, long term. Sure. Is there a band aid solution that that might end up working for the short term where he can play and they can put off making him, you know, the franchise guy?
1: Right, right. Well, you look at you look at the, like like what happened with Kirk Cousins, right? So he got a three year deal where it's completely guaranteed and then he gets to hit the market again before he turns 30. Mm-hmm. So until he's 25, right? So if they give him uh, another another 3 years maybe on top of his uh one year remaining and if they extend him instead of just wiping out that year, so that would that would have him four more seasons. So he would be 29 and then able to able to hit the market again. I think I think that would be something that that would work for him and probably for the Giants too because it would give it would give them time to, to see if he uh, grows up without, without having to invest you know, six years, seven years uh, into a contract.
0: Sure. So what's your expectations right now, Tom, you, based on what you're hearing? Week one, Odell Beckham Jr. is lining up for the Giants?
1: Yeah, I think, I think week one, Odell, G, Odell Beckham Jr. is on the Giants, on the field against, well, let's be honest, probably the Cowboys. And uh, he's, um, uh, but he's. Uh, my guess is that he was, he is not at uh, a part of training camp, and and probably doesn't play in any preseason games.
0: All right, uh, Tom Rock of Newsday. Uh, thanks for coming on, Tom. We appreciate it. All right, buddy, be good. All right, be good, Tom. And uh, a yeah, busy day for Tom. Nice of him to come on. you got the owners' meetings and uh, all these uh, Beckham rumors. But, yeah, is the Daily News. It was saying, oh, the, the Giants, they're looking to move Beckham. And then uh, the Rams are involved. And, you know, Tom, you know, saying, hey, it's not impossible that they've had, you know, some discussions with teams uh, over the last few weeks. But they're certainly uh, not shopping him and you know tom uh tweeting tonight you know a a source uh from the giants saying there's just uh you know no truth to uh those um you know that this is how we phrase the tweet source on interest the giants have received from other teams about an odell beckham jr trade at these meetings zero nada zilch um so this has to to play out and the Giants they can play hardball uh to to a point and you know maybe they don't want to go long term with Odell Beckham Jr. if he does have another dumb incident that pops up over the course of this off season uh but then you're looking at hey maybe 2 3 years something like that would be you know, fine for Beckham, and he could be tempted by going back out in free agency. It is a little different than, you know, Kirk Cousins, a quarterback who's far more protected than a wide receiver ever will be, especially a wide receiver coming off an ankle injury. Uh, but, you know, this is the way that uh, the situation pops up uh, for Beckham right now. And and like I say, you can dream of having, you know, a bunch of David Wrights on your team or... You know, a bunch of guys, you know, a bunch of Saquon Barkley's on your team, the kind of guys that, you know, seem to go about things the right way and have a lot of talent as well. But you're never going to be able to build a full team with that. You're always going to have to have somebody who has the potential to be a headache and, you know, maybe more meaningful than anything else that you heard from Tom Rock there. O'Neill Beckham Jr.'s teammates love him. And he is respected in that building. He's not thought of as a problem or a distraction within that building. And that's really what it comes down to. If you're a problem within the building and your teammates don't like you or the coaches don't like dealing with you or the front office is tired of your stuff, then, yeah, you're not going to be around. But that doesn't seem to be the point that's been reached here with Beckham. He might be approaching it. And the Giants and ownership are starting to set some boundaries here. But he has not crossed that line quite yet. Uh, and it seems you know he still has a uh, a little bit of breathing room before he does as uh he and the Giants will try to get this hammered out at some point, uh I'm sure. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. 321 710 the number to get involved in the show. We'll take some calls when we come back. We've got Mets tickets to give you uh to give away your chance to call in and win coming up. You can win a thousand dollars at nine oh five. Uh so we'll come back with that as uh we put the wraps on this Monday show. Sports zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R HD2 New York. You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Now's your chance to win a couple of tickets to see the Mets and the Cardinals this Saturday at Citi Field. Be caller 5 at 800-321-0710 and you're the winner. Brought to you by the New York Mets and Coca-Cola. Opening weekend at Citi Field features a Mets Build-A-Bear Teddy giveaway to the first 15,000 fans in attendance this Saturday and a tote bag giveaway to all fans on Sunday. For tickets to opening weekend, go to Mets.com slash tickets. And we'll have more Mets tickets for you to win tomorrow night on the show. Uh Thursday, we will be live from Citi Field, Mets on Deck at 11.30, uh, right outside the Jackie Robinson Rotunda by the Mets' Apple there. Uh, So we'll be broadcasting live there at 11.30 to a little after noon, and then I'll be throwing it upstairs to Wayne Randazzo at the pregame show. But at noon, I'll be hanging out at the WOR tent, and we'll have some Mets trivia uh, to give away some Mets tickets as well. So if you're making your way out to opening day, uh, before all the pageantry of opening day, uh, you can win yourself some future tickets as well and, um, you know, show off your Mets trivia knowledge. Uh, again, we'll be live 1130 to noon, and then uh, we'll have some tickets to give away after that uh, outside by the Apple. eight hundred three two one zero seven ten to get involved in the show. Let's go to uh, Brad and Alpine. What's happening, Brad? Pete, how are you, my man? I'm good. How are you? So everything changed
1: last week. When Conforto, when we heard that Conforto was, was looking good, he had two home runs in the scrimmage. Started to feel a little more optimistic right and then then you feel even more optimistic when they're going to be smart about it and they're not going to rush them back it's like hey maybe we're with this organization is getting common sense <laughs> and then you know what else you know what else i'm thinking well, this is a year where Wil, wilmer flores is going to put up a year comparable to a alfonso i mean he has it he has it in him. if you think about it right they're very they're very comparable they both maybe offensively family, yeah that's it. Yeah, obviously not defensively, yeah. but that's that's all you need. I mean, if, if Gonzalez is gonna struggle and you put you put uh Flores at first base and he could put up numbers like Alfonso, this team's ready to rock and roll.
0: I think Wilmer's gonna get an opportunity this year. I don't I can't say that he's gonna be Edgardo Alfonso offensively, that he can handle it as an everyday player. He hasn't proven that to me. He's had few opportunities to actually, you know, run with a job every single day. Uh but I think he can. Handle first base defensively to the point where he's not driving you nuts. And uh, I think you'll see it. I, I think that, you know, he's going to play three times a week, even with Adrian Gonzalez there. And if Gonzalez isn't getting it done, Wilmer Flores is going to have that position.
1: Don't forget, he's what? He's only 26 years old, right? Yeah,
0: he- he's a young guy. We don't know everything about Wilmer. And, and thanks for the call, Brad. Uh, yeah, I know Terry Collins felt that Wilmer needed one position. He needed to just play one position all the time, and then they could you know, really find out about him because he's constantly moving around from shortstop to third base to second base to first base. And Terry never found that position for him. Maybe he would have in September – And Flores could have done what Kevin Plewecki and Brandon Nimmo were able to do, but he fouled that pitch off his face in Houston, broke his nose and was done for the season, which was, uh, you know, just really unfortunate. But I I think Wilmer's going to get an opportunity. He's going to play some second base. Uh, I'm sure you'll see him at third base as well. I can't stand seeing him at third base because he, you know, can't make that throw across the infield, but he's going to play. He'll have an opportunity and. You know, will he get those four weeks to start at one position every day and show what he could do? He might very well. You could see how it could work out at first base for him. And, and the big thing with Wilmer, what I've always felt about him is he might be a tweener. And he hits enough to play shortstop or second base, but defensively he doesn't cut it there. Uh, does he have enough offense in the bat to be an everyday first baseman? Can he hit, you know, let's say 25 to 30 home runs and, you know, bat 270? I think he's capable of it. And that's what. You know, he should have an opportunity to show it sometime. I don't think Adrian Gonzalez is going to be the Mets' first baseman all year. I really don't. 36 years old. I know he's been a terrific player in the past, but you're coming off the kind of back issues that Gonzalez had last year. I don't see that being an impact signing uh, here for the Mets. The Mets will give him an opportunity. sounds like they'll give him April to show he has something left, and, and Gonzalez is going to have to prove it. Otherwise, you know, the Mets, you know, we had Sandy Alderson on Friday says they still have confidence in Dom Smith. And, um, you know, obviously Wilmer is someone that could grab an opportunity uh, there at first base as well. So uh, a couple of options here for the Mets. But as far as the optimism overall going into opening day, hey, if you're not going to feel it now, when are you going to feel it? Right. It's two, three days until opening day kicks up on Thursday. Uh, It was a solid spring for the Mets. I don't think anything you could be that upset about. Uh, the players that we talked about, you know, like a Robles, he didn't pitch well enough to make the roster. He's not on it. Zach Wheeler didn't pitch well enough to make the roster. He's not on it. Uh, the Michael Conforto should be back sooner than originally expected. Uh, the starting pitching is intact, with the exception of Jason Vargas and, and, to a lesser extent, Rafael Montero. But the big five that you wanted to see, well, Wheeler's not going to be with the big league team, but he's healthy. Everybody else is pitching right now, pitching well at the end of spring training. So, you know, you could see how this Mets team could be competitive. Again, I'm not going to fool myself into thinking they're competing with the Nationals, but they could compete with the Cardinals, the Rockies, uh, some of those top NL wildcard contending teams. They still have a division that, yeah, the Phillies had Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta, but this is a division that the Mets should be able uh, to beat up on, on some of the dregs down there. And the Phillies might be better than they've been, but... The Braves don't look that much better. They just cut Scott Casmir today. They're going to be paying Casmir $60 million to go away. and They did the same thing with Adrian Gonzalez. They're paying him like $20 million to go away. Uh, and then the Marlins, you know, breaking it all down, obviously. Uh, you know, they look to be a mess going into the season, but... The opportunity is there for the Mets, so you know, it'll be fun to see it start up, obviously, uh, on Thursday, see what they could do. Uh, that'll do it for the show tonight. Thanks to Tom Rock uh, for joining us on the show, as well as Tim Britton of The Athletic. We'll be back with you tomorrow night, 6.05. Uh, it'll be a T-shirt Tuesday, your chance to win uh, Mets T-shirts. All you have to do is call in, get on the air, and you get yourself a Mets T-shirt and Mets tickets to give away as well. For Ray Martell, Mark Wiener, I'm Pete McCarthy. Enjoy your night. Dave Ramsey next.